0: Want people to understand that how we practice in Florida as public adjusters is just, it's almost like night and day compared to the, the way you guys are able to do it.
1: And that was very important to us because in Georgia, half of our members for Gapia that are public adjusters are also contractors. We definitely don't want to break apart the contractor public adjuster relationship. It's important. There's a symbiotic relationship there.
2: Yeah, 99.9% in my estimation, no one's done a survey, but an overwhelming majority of insurance fraud prosecution is done in defense of insurance companies. Uh, There is almost nobody looking at insurance companies themselves.
0: Can I interrupt you real quick? You were the first person, when I first heard you, it was in Skipton's class, actually, you came on and you spoke to us, and you were talking about insurance fraud. And it was the first time I had ever heard the term insurance fraud. Whenever you say some tell somebody insurance fraud, they think it's what is it? Policyholders committing insurance fraud, not the way you say it. Uh,
2: The American Policyholder Association is formed specifically for two things. Number one, to uh, discover and work for the prosecution of carrier side fraud. That is fraud perpetrated against consumers. by insurance company employees, by the vendors they hire, the adjusters, the TPAs, uh, the engineers, et cetera.
1: So there's, there's really no recourse for an insurance carrier if they act inappropriately in Georgia. The only thing a policyholder really has available to them is to hire a public adjuster. But because we don't have the leverage that is created with all of that recourse, cause and effect. If they do bad, they get their hands slapped. Without the leverage, it makes the job of a public adjuster a lot harder
0: in my firm it's it's a huge thing that as soon as they go beyond a certain amount of days as soon as they do just a wrongful denial as soon as they they just screw up in any way we are we are always all about quoting particular unfair claims practices act sending it to sending it in a letter form or or notifying the state and you should see how fast these these guys respond to that What's up, advocates, and welcome back to another episode of the Claims Game Podcast. We've got a killer episode for you today, but before I get into that, remember that we are sponsored by Fortez Health. Fortez Health is a great source for getting PP. Masks and uh, gear and anything, any kind of protective equipment that you may need, whether it be in regards to COVID or if you're a mold assessor or if you're a public adjuster going into a home that's just infested with mold or anything that you're not supposed to be touching or breathing in, they've got all kinds of stuff that they can provide you. Plus, everything that you buy there, it actually goes to the uh, at front uh, workers who are, you know, at the front in the front lines of all of this COVID stuff. Uh, if you buy anything from them, put in the promo code defense 20 and you get 20% off. So really nothing to lose. Today's episode is special. It is the first time that we have two guests on at the same time, and the reason why we're having two guests on at the same time, it's Matt Mulholland and Doug Quinn, and that's because Matt Mulholland and Doug Quinn together fought basically against uh, the insurance department, Department of Insurance in Georgia, uh, with Matt Mulholland leading the way. He's the president of GAPIA, which is the uh, Public Adjuster Association in Georgia, and he was leading the way in basically making sure that a few bills uh, did not get passed, which would have really hurt the public adjusting industry um, in Georgia and obviously as a whole. And Doug Quinn, uh, he was helping out as the president and the the, the, the guy of the American Policyholders Association. The American Policyholders Association is a tremendous association that, look, I'm a part of wearing the hat right now. Uh, And it's basically fights against insurer fraud, not it's just insurance fraud, but not against people committing insurance fraud. It's actually the insurance company committing insurance fraud, I know. It's tough to digest, right? have to understand that, but it happens, and it happens all the time. And his association was created as a result of Hurricane Sandy and falsified reports that they are now uh, they've joined, they've they've created this organization to fight to catch the insurance companies committing any kind of fraud. So uh, you can go on AmericanPolicyholdersAssociation.com. You can become a member. You're going to see why it's probably important to become a member. Uh, it's 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 really it's a really special group, special association that are very proud to be a part of, and you're going to meet Doug Quinn, really really great guy, passionate guy about what he does, and he's really in, in, with, in the fight with us. And then Matt Mulholland, he's the owner of um, All Good Adjustments and also has a really great YouTube channel uh, called Listen to This Bull. Great podcast, great YouTube channel, really great information that you guys could find on his pod on his uh, YouTube channel that I think you guys could benefit from. So, with that, without further ado, we're going to talk a lot about, you know, what went on in Georgia and just insurance companies and how they're very difficult to deal with committing fraud every once in a while and just, you know, <sighs> joining the cause and joining the fight all public adjusters. We need to get together to make sure that we join the fight to make sure that we don't get taken advantage of, and not just us, but most importantly, the policyholder. So, without further ado, enjoy the show.
2: Welcome to the Claims Game Podcast with Vince Perry. Get all the tips you need from insurance claim advocates and professionals and grow your public adjusting career to the next level. And now the commercial claims advocate, Vince Perry.
0: Okay, we are up and running, ladies and gentlemen. I am so excited about this week's podcast for, I mean, so many reasons. I mean, first one is Mr. Uh, Matt I over here. I told him the other day that it was the first time I'm doing a podcast with two guests. And he's like, so it's your first threesome. And I'm like, yes, it is. How about that? That's how we're starting the show. So we've got Matt Mulholland. Okay. And Doug Quinn here. And uh, Matt, cheers.
1: Cheers. I don't think Doug feels too good about being a part of your first threesome.
2: This isn't Uh, quite the way they read it in penthouse forums, so no.
0: (laughs) Well, I think it's great. I think it's great. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, We've got so much to talk about. Uh, Originally, I reached out to Doug so that we could have a podcast about the APA and about insurance fraud and all the sort of crap that Public adjusters have to deal with, policyholders have to deal with, just people in general. And excuse if you hear the noise in the background, can you guys hear that? Isn't that wonderful? Oh. That is uh, the new home we bought. We are putting down tile and, uh, you know, we got to get work done either way. Well, they got to get work done. We got to get work done too, don't we? Yep.
2: This is actually probably one of the few forums where it's acceptable to have construction related noise in the background, maybe even encouraged.
0: I don't think it'll it'll stop in like the next few seconds here, hopefully. All right. Well, anyway, uh, Matt, we've got here from No Bull Adjustments. How do you say it exactly?
1: Well, my, my PA firm is All Good Adjustments. All Good Adjustments. My media channel is Listen to This Bull.
0: Yeah. So what I wanted to tell you guys is that uh, Matt Mulholland has the second best public adjusting podcast in the country. <laughs> second best to who? Watch true uh, but honestly, Matt, you've got you've got a hell of a channel. Uh, I want everybody to know that you've got an incredible podcast that uh, actually is on every single week. He goes live on Facebook, has some really, really great guests, knows a ton about construction, so has some really great, great contracting guests as well. And uh, I'm really happy to have you, to have Doug here. I'm just excited. I don't know. I keep saying I'm excited, but it's because I really am. Thank you guys for coming on. Is that why you're vibrating slightly? Could be. It could be. So what are you, why are you standing in between two plants?
1: I, I heard that when you do interview shows, you have to be between two ferns.
0: Ah, that is a good show. I like that show. Main reason why I have you guys on here, and I'm going to get right to the point. Why are we going to waste any time, right? If you guys follow Matt and if you guys follow Doug, you will see that last week they were doing some really intense stuff. Uh, uh, I saw Doug sitting and standing and talking in front in some kind of courthouse, uh, arguing some kind of of things that we're going to get into that were very intense. I had a long conversation with Matt the other day and he was giving me some information about what has been going on over the past two to three weeks. This is specific to Georgia. So anybody listening out listening here that is from Georgia or really from anywhere, what I want to really talk about is just some of the crap that you uh, us as public adjusters have to deal with in Georgia. And I want people to be aware that you know, Matt's always, Matt's always shaking his head when I tell him about our appraisal process and our time limits and all these things that we have and the way we handle our claims and the way we somewhat bully the insurance company around, where in Georgia... It's not like that. And the reason why I wanted to have these guys on here, I wanted Matt to talk about that. I wanted Doug to talk about some of his personal experiences that he's had with the insurance company, that it's not all its not all that great how we have it here in Florida. As a matter of fact, we have it really freaking good. So if you want to start out, Matt, with just tell me some of the stuff that's been going on over the last couple of weeks or the last few weeks and sort of where where we're at now. Well, in the
1: last few weeks, more in the last month or so, there was a bill that was uh, presented to organization the president of GAPIA, the Georgia Association of Public Insurance Adjusters. It was a bill that rewrote the section of our code involving public adjusters and the uh, public adjuster contractor relationship. Uh, so we, we got wind of it coming down. The department wanted to get with us to work on the wording before they dropped it. And then suddenly it was dropped uh, and we scrambled because we had spent all this time putting all this information together to work with them to change the language uh, in order to make it work better for policyholders in Georgia, uh, while keeping the intent of what they were trying to do intact. In and and then it just dropped on us the way it was anyway. And So we went into scramble mode, um, started discussing with the department over several Zoom calls at the Capitol and then behind closed doors after the subcommittee hearing uh, with a lot of negotiation back and forth on the specific language.
0: Can you Uh, get into some of the detail of the specific language? Like what is it we're talking about exactly with these contractors?
1: Sure. So with the contractor portion of it, I'm gonna sit up a little bit more for this conversation. <laughs> it's serious now. Uh, okay. For this, for this bill, uh, in Georgia, it's currently legal for a contractor to be a public adjuster on the same claim that they are contracting for, as long as it's disclosed in the public adjuster agreement what the financial interest is in that contracting firm. And the public adjuster agreement also says that they don't have to use that contracting firm Then, currently in Georgia, they can be on the same claim and the same person the same financial interest. Uh, This bill splits that. And Georgia is one of the few states that has that legal and this this breaks that apart and the reason that they want to break that apart is there is an inherent conflict of interest between a contractor who is a PA when the PA is trying to maximize a claim if they're the ones that end up receiving the benefit of that maximization there can be a conflict of interest if they ever look out for their own best interest over the insurance uh, so they were trying to break that apart and In the way that they were doing it, there was also a lot of confusion on whether or not there can still be any kind of relationship between the contractor and the PA. So a lot of the negotiations that we had on that bill had to do with that relationship. There are parts of that bill that say that there can be nothing that could reasonably be construed as a conflict of interest. Uh, No solicitation remuneration can be received from the contractor uh no direct or indirect benefit could be received from the contractor this is language that is is still somewhat concerning but when we sat down with the uh, department head uh, the attorney for the commissioner i flat out asked the guy if uh, my, my pa firm often has the contractor pay the public adjusters fees on behalf of the insured to benefit the insured. If they do that, is that a conflict of interest in itself? And they said, no, it's not a conflict of interest. If, if your interests and the insured's interests align, there's no conflict. If the contractor's interests divert from the best interests of the insured, and I, as a public adjuster, go to the best interests of the contractor, then there's a conflict of interest. And that could reasonably be construed that way. So just because a contractor has agreed to cover the the fees of a public adjuster or an engineer or an appraiser, just because they've agreed to cover those costs to the benefit of the policyholder doesn't mean that there's a conflict of interest. And that was very important to us because in Georgia, half of our members for GAPIA that are public adjusters are also contractors. We definitely don't want To break apart the contractor public adjuster relationship it's important there's a symbiotic relationship there um there's a lot of language that was you know in in a way anti-public adjuster that would have probably killed the profession there was a fee cap originating at 10 percent in georgia a fee cap of 10 percent like it is in some states just wouldn't work Georgia is very difficult to work in, and it really comes down to the fact that there is no viable dispute resolution. We don't have arbitration or mediation; That just doesn't exist. The attorney's fees don't get paid unless bad faith is tacked on at the end of a breach of contract suit three years down the road with a jury there's no private cause of action against the unfair claim settlement practice act items. So if the carrier acts inappropriately and you sue them, if you settle, you're not gonna get your attorney's fees paid. And if you don't settle, you're talking about a three-year process, and then you have to get lucky enough to have a such a good case that you get bad faith added on in order to get the attorney's fees paid. It's so unrealistic that you'll get that that it isn't worth pursuing. It's better to try to settle. So the attorney's fees don't get paid. The appraisal provision that's in the policy is broken by bad case law. Case law in Georgia says that the amount of loss doesn't include scope of loss. It's only the dollar amount for the agreed to scope. So in practice, a lot of the insurance carriers say, if if your estimate and their estimate have one single line out of difference, they don't go to appraisal. They deny appraisal and that's allowed for them to deny a demand for appraisal. And even if they allow it to go to appraisal, if the scope difference exists prior to appraisal, they can apply the appraisal award to the scope that was agreed to and eliminate all the line items that they didn't agree to afterwards. And that happens a lot. So a lot of times the awards are uh, completely thrown out. So there's a broken appraisal provision. So there's, there's really no recourse for an insurance carrier if they act inappropriately in Georgia. The only thing a policyholder really has available to them is to hire a public adjuster. But because we don't have the leverage that is created with all of that recourse, cause and effect, if they do bad, they get their hand slapped. Without the leverage, it makes the job of a public adjuster a lot harder. So only charging a 10% fee is is just a non-starter for most claims in Georgia. But we got that up to 33.3% across the board.
0: So just to, just to clarify so people understand what Matt's talking about, like, for instance, what we do uh, at our firm and what I'm always training other public adjusters to do is to take advantage of these things. So, for example, Matt basically just said... There is no arbitration. There is no mediation. There is no appraisal, basically. And, and I'll get to it. And there's no attorney fees and costs. And then what I like what you said. Well, I don't like what you said. But what you said in particular about um, about unfair claims practices act. It's one of the things that we do. That like we really I in my firm it's it's a huge thing that as soon as they go beyond a certain amount of days as soon as they do just a wrongful denial as soon as they they just screw up in any way we are we are always all about quoting particular unfair claims practices act sending it to sending it in a letter form or or notifying the state and you should see how fast these these guys respond to that another thing that we do is if we are in disagreement on the amount that was paid we immediately go to appraisal. If they deny our appraisal, we go to mediation. If we cancel the mediation, we go to attorney because we know that the attorney fees and costs are going to paid for, are, are, are getting paid for. So basically our entire way of doing, of, of working claims, you guys have your hand side and are, and are unable to do that. So I want people to understand that how we practice in Florida as public adjusters is just, it's almost like night and day compared to the, the way you guys are able to do it.
1: A completely different world. Um, And I didn't even mention that we don't have timeframes in Georgia for the insurance carriers at all. The statute on timeframes that that is set for property losses, uh, the paragraph that starts the whole thing off is for claims arising out of auto policies. So for any property damages, uh, homeowners or or business owners' property, they they don't have any statutory timeframes to abide by. They can drag out their investigation for years if they want to. Um, the only thing it says is, is is reasonable and somebody gets to decide what reasonable is. But that's not me. I don't get to decide that clearly because it's not working out for us.
0: So, you know, when we have these issues, when these things are happening, thankfully, we've got guys like you, Matt, who are able to step up to the plate. By the way, I didn't mention that uh, Matt is actually the president of the Georgia Association. Public Insurance Adjuster Association, you know GAPIA, we'll call it in Florida. It's FAPIA. So uh, he's actually the president of the association. But thankfully, we've got people like Doug Quinn. Now, Doug Quinn, he is in charge of the American Policyholder Association, and what the I'm going to let him get into more details. But basically, American Policyholder Association was formatted for stuff like this and other things as well. But it's for making sure that we're holding the insurance companies accountable for slip ups for things that they're trying to do, which is all they're doing. Doing is hurting policyholders, uh, they're hurting our public adjuster industry as a whole, and and, and so much more. So Doug, what were, how are were you involved with this? And please explain uh, to people who don't know yet the wonderful American Policyholder uh, policy Association.
2: Well, this is not necessarily part of the APA mission as far as our core mission. Uh, the American Policyholder Association is formed specifically for two things. Number one, to uh, discover and work for the prosecution of carrier-side fraud, that is fraud perpetrated against consumers uh, by insurance company employees, by the vendors they hire, the adjusters, the TPAs, uh, the engineers, et cetera. Can I interrupt
0: you real quick? You were the first person, when I first heard you, it was in Skipton's class, actually, you came on and you spoke to us and you were talking about insurance fraud. And it was the first time I had ever heard the term insurance fraud. Whenever you t- say some, tell somebody insurance fraud, they think it's, what is it, policyholders committing insurance fraud, but not the way you said it.
2: Yeah. 99.9% in my estimation. No one's done a survey, but an overwhelming majority of insurance fraud prosecution is done in defense of insurance companies. Uh, There is almost nobody looking at insurance companies themselves. Uh, Many people like you, the first person, including attorneys general and prosecutors and district's attorney, the first person they've ever heard that insurance companies and their vendors are committing fraud against consumers, they've ever heard that. From is, is myself. And I can tell when I, I, I tell this message all over the country, the APA is very big on publicizing it. Um, to be fair, listen. Fraud happens on all sides of the claims process. Uh, attorneys, adjusters, consumers, PAs, I mean, however, the insurance industry's message for many years uh, by their lobbyists, has been that it is only fraud perpetrated against insurance companies. Uh, we think all fraud is wrong. All fraud is bad. All fraud should be prosecuted. Um However, no one is looking at the insurance carrier side until the APA came around. We are the first organization in the history of this country that does what we do. Uh, Until the insurance, the APA came around, nobody was talking about cracking down on insurance fraud perpetrated. We had to, we had to actually create the term carrier side fraud or insurer fraud because insurance fraud is unilaterally defined as being committed against an insurance company. There are some states where insurance fraud is only defined in their penal code, the law, as being perpetrated against an insurance. There's not literally not a law that references insurance fraud where it makes it illegal to be perpetrated against a consumer. Uh, they're called one-side states, and we have to go with what's called a, uh, you know, their normal fraud statutes, not even covered under insurance fraud. So, you know, it's very, very serious. It happens all over the country. Again, our message is fraud happens on all sides. It, X amount of percentage of Americans are willing to commit criminal fraud for a profit, or to avoid a loss. So it doesn't matter whether you're hiring a contractor, PA, or an insurance company claims manager, or an engineer, or a senator or a congressman, for that matter, that percentage, that X Comes along with it. So, you know, what, what we see is a very serious issue. You cannot tell us that insurance fraud is only happening on one side. It's a 360 degree problem. It needs to be enforced with parity 360 d- degrees. That doesn't happen because, listen, an overwhelming majority of insurance fraud is uncovered by insurance companies, special investigations units. Most insurance carriers have their own SIU staffed with professionals forensic experts, detectives, et cetera, and they have relationships with prosecutors. In some cases, they actually fund the prosecution, and there's a very good reason for that. Uh, they basically, the, the the taxpayers say, listen, if you want us to protect you and by investigating insurance fraud, you're going to have to pony up some of the cost or in some cases, all of the cost. But it makes for this very cozy relationship between prosecutors and insurance company SIUs, and they'll investigate a case they'll pack it up and they'll walk it into the prosecutor's office. Doesn't mean they say no. They, they say, I'd say yes. Every time they, they refuse to prosecute a lot of the cases that are brought to them. Uh, However, No one is doing that on behalf of the consumer. Uh, Until the APA came around, we have formed our own SIU, just like the insurance companies do. Uh, Our members bring us cases. People like yourself and Matt and the attorneys and the contractors and the consumers who belong to the APA uh, report these cases to us. We have our own Top shelf fraud investigators who vet it, and then we have one of the nation's top insurer fraud prosecutors uh, who actually runs our department, and we will in turn package it up and walk it to prosecutors. So. That's part of the APA message. The other part of the APA mission is uh, we go after license violations on the carrier side. Uh, If you have a licensed adjuster or if you have a licensed engineer who is violating the ethics uh, code or the honesty and the the professionalism with, with which they should be practicing, they have to answer to a state licensing board. Most people don't realize that. You can file a complaint with that state licensing board. Most people don't realize that, and if by chance they happen to hear that by accident. Most people don't know how to do that. So the APA facilitates that. And look, we know most of these professionals, most engineers, they're very focused on precision. They're, they're very serious about it. If the bridge is off by an inch or the building's off by an inch, it collapses and people die. They take that seriously. But there's this little crew of scoundrels who work for the carriers and will sell their mother for a nickel and they ruin American families' lives because they stretch the truth or they're f- flat out, committing fraud and uh, fraud. And we want to make sure that those people are removed from the market so that honest, ethical people who are trying to support their families can get in there and get that work. And I'm pretty sure the insurance carriers don't want the scoundrels working for them either. We're making them aware as well.
0: How often are you, are you asked to do things like what you did? First of all, if you can get into sort of uh, what we were talking about with Matt out in Georgia, and how often are you guys called upon to do things like that?
2: You know, we get a lot of calls. The APA has made a decision that we're not going to get involved in pursuing legislation. Legislation in many areas is a black hole. Uh, There's a wonderful attorney up in New York who's been trying to get uh, their version of the Fair uh, Claim Settlement Act pushed for 25 years up there. I mean it's a lot of time, a lot of energy and a lot of money. And it doesn't necessarily fall within criminal fraud or license violations. Uh, so we do not necessarily get involved in that. However, if there is a legislation that comes to our attention, and one of our members asks us to take a look at it, and we see that it has a damaging impact on the American policyholder, the insurance consumer, then we will come speak in against that legislation or in favor and that's exactly what happened excuse me, in Georgia, Uh, Matt had contacted me. The people from AAA had contacted me and said, you know, there's this legislation that really looks like it's going to hurt consumers. So listen, I, you know, I I flew down there last minute. Uh, They were able to make their case that this will actually hurt the American policyholder. So we came in and we spoke uh, against that legislation and maybe in favor of something that was a little bit better, but there were some very clear, not their intention. It was a very sloppy, amateurish attempt at legislation. Uh, And I, you know, we, we, we just said, you know, I don't know why they don't go with the national association of insurance commissioners model legislation, which is not perfect, but certainly better than this uh, crude instrument they were trying to implement here.
0: Matt, the, the department of insurance out there, they don't have the uh, most wonderful opinion of public adjusters, do they?
1: Um. Well, I, I don't know to be honest. Here's the Department of Insurance in Georgia has a commissioner that is elected. Our previous elected official was indicted for insurance fraud. So our current commissioner was appointed by the governor, and he comes from a completely different industry. He doesn't know insurance, uh, or at least he doesn't. He didn't know insurance, and so a lot of his administration is new to a lot of this i know with this bill they were attempting to uh close down on fraud committed by public adjusters this is a a state where the regulations are fairly lax for public adjusters so there are a lot of pas that are in this state that aren't very ethical so i understand their reasoning behind going down this road they were pulling language from florida and texas one of the first meetings that i ever had with the commissioner's office right after this commissioner was appointed uh they said that they wanted to make georgia a lot more like florida and texas which i love that idea florida and texas are definitely better for policyholders than georgia is um, but when they go in to do that but they don't pull some of the protections that those states also have um, and just make the, the bill about public adjusters, then unless they're planning on pulling all those other policyholder protections at the same time, it's not going to work out. So if they push that down the road, that gap of time between when this bill goes in and and those protections show up, policyholders are, are kind of left in the dust and who knows if those protections will ever come in so you know, we, we got in and we wanted to uh, edit and, and help um revise a lot of the issues that we have with the bill i think we got to the point where the bill is is acceptable gapia has uh, supported the bill with the revisions that we were able to get them to agree to um, if that changes, yeah, you know, and it might, you know, it's going to be in the Senate's hands. And anytime there's politicians involved, you get earmarks and all this fun stuff. Yeah. So there's a there's a strong probability uh, that some things get added in or taken away that aren't um, aren't good for consumers. So ultimately, what we have though is a department that really wants our help in order to establish the regulatory changes. The reason they didn't let us get to the table to begin with is because of a monster confusion where there was another PA that represented themselves as GAPIA and said that they agreed with the bill in its current format. So the department was somewhat swindled um, on that. And we've, we've uncovered the issue that had occurred. I think we're in good standing now. There are some good things in this bill that actually helped the state There are some things in there that I would really like to have um, clarified, Uh, but for the most part, we do agree with the intent. We do need a little bit more public adjuster regulation in Georgia. There also needs to be a lot of regulation against the insurance carriers and in order to keep all of the issues that we have in Georgia and reduce that to really help policyholders. Personally, I think that side of things would have been the better place to start. But here we are. Um, we did have some language that uh, I was able to get added in last minute that does help the contractors in the state. So I know for a lot of contractors, uh, especially in our industry, they're they're very afraid that the Appias of the world are trying to put them out of business. Um, I was able to get them to add in some language that codified that the contractor is able to talk to the insurance carrier about their bid. Uh, That way the carrier can't use this bill and say, well, this says that you can't do anything on behalf of the insured, so we don't have to talk to you at all. They added language in from, from Florida. I was able to pull it from Florida's language so that they would put it in, but they've added language in that codifies that the contractor can't talk about their bid can discuss their bid on behalf of the insured as they should as as obvious that they can already but by putting it into that code section the carriers can't say that they don't have that ability i think that was a good add-in to to really help out with that side of things and doesn't hurt anyone
0: ultimately what would you say was what would you feel would you ask ultimately what would you say was the biggest accomplishment of the whole experience
1: We developed a tighter relationship with the insurance commissioner's office so that we have that seat at the table to uh, establish the regulations that are kind of come from us. You know, when there's a when there's legislation that that puts into the code section, the, the statutes are um, put into place. These are the laws. The only we can change those is through um, legislation once the laws are set, and they're usually rather broad, then that department can go in and write the regulations that they have promulgation authority over to establish how they're going to interpret this law for their department and how they're going to use it. So once this goes into effect, assuming it does, then there has to be regulations that are changed in order to meet that. Uh, GAPIA is working very diligently. I have rewritten every regulation regarding property in georgia possible to establish whether or not the commissioner has the authority to make certain changes before we present it to them because it's pointless if they don't Uh, but based on the statutes if we are able to make some of the regulatory changes that we want honestly a lot of the issues that we have in georgia should be able to go away but that's all assuming that the bill with the edits that we were able to achieve actually stays that way and doesn't get changed by politicians in the Senate. So hopefully that isn't the case. Um, It definitely doesn't have the effect that it would have had in its original format. I think that we've been able to establish something that's useful without damaging uh, the majority of policyholders, but also creating stronger regulations for bad actor PAs. We don't want bad actor PAs.
0: Of course not. Um, Doug, your organization is nationwide, right? Correct. So you're seeing these things all the time, whether it be this, uh, insurance fraud or whatever it is, you're seeing this on a nationwide basis, right?
2: That is correct. I will say, uh, I'll echo what Matt has said. Uh, Georgia is special. Um,
1: (laughs) We were the short bus.
2: The the complaints we hear from Georgia, it's the wild, wild west, and it's the clear indication of an insurance industry run rampant. Rampant. and and that's a problem, right? It's the hungry, hungry shark that has no feeding limits, um, and and it is the the goal of regulation. It is the goal of the elected officials to protect consumers from a, a corporate interests that are really just gobbling up as much profits as they can, regardless of the cost to uh, the constituents in Georgia. And and I'll tell you, you know, you win these battles before they come up. Uh, I find myself giving more uh, political advocacy advice than anything else these days, just because I come from that background of grassroots political action. Um, but I mean, the way that you win these battles, Matt is, Matt is the uh, new president to GAPIA. Uh, but what I will say is when I speak to people in other states who say, well, you know, hey, this legislation is terrible. What should I do? I just got something from Florida. Uh, as much as, you know, we we know Florida has some advantages. I hear terrible regulation uh, proposed in Florida all the time. Somebody just emailed me yesterday, what can I as an individual do about this? And my answer is nothing. Uh, You you do not go up against one of the most powerful industries with the second most powerful lobby in the country. They spend just behind big pharma uh, by yourself and think you're going to do anything. You've got to work together with your associations, with grassroots consumer groups, with your trade association uh, to be able to fight these battles. And you do that by working with your elected officials and establishing relationships and access to your elected officials. Uh, I, you know, Matt mentioned having a seat at the table, and that's the goal. The, The sayings we always have are, you know, no decisions about us without us That means we bring stakeholders to the table. We do not allow detached uh, legislatures to establish regulation that impacts us without us being at the table, without consumers, without stakeholders being at the table. If it's a PA regulation, they better have the top PA associations at the table helping them with that. And the other decision we make is, you know, uh, the saying we have is, if you don't have a seat at the table, you're probably on the menu. Uh, so having access and having influence and being brought to help craft policy policy, before or while it's in the process of being created is way better. And that's the position you want to be in than hearing about it afterwards and having to react. Um, So, you know, I applaud uh, what Matt is doing in Georgia and people in other states, people like uh, the Gap Years of the World and AAA, who are actually looking to have influence to be able to impact policy before it's created, that make sure that it's common sense but i mean listen it would be a dream for me to just have one state we have 50 states that we we oversee we're consumer watchdogs for the whole nation if i just had one state I'm, i know right here in in new jersey where i live i have access to the governor's office i have regular conversations with both of our us senators i have access to i can walk into my congressman's office and have a meeting with him anytime i can be in washington dc and uh, get a meeting with my senator anytime And that's because of the work that I've done here on behalf of the people, on behalf of constituents and voters. Uh, That's where you get that kind of access. But again, these battles, you win before they are fought. You, you demonstrate that you're not just about greed and profits. You demonstrate that you are looking out for the best interests of the average person, which PAs certainly do. Uh, you going into an insurance claim as a consumer, uh, having a PA on your side, having a qualified attorney on your side, having a builder who's able to help you, you know, a contractor who can advise you is huge. And having those voices silenced. So that a consumer has to go one-on-one against an insurance company during the claims process is unacceptable.
0: Well, I like how you said it once. You said it once to me uh, before. uh, It it, it doesn't make any sense for a policyholder who's just one person to go up against, you know, like you said, a multi-billion-dollar organization when it comes to an insurance claim. It just doesn't make sense. You need to hire some kind of protection, some kind of
2: representation. Yeah, and listen, not to say that every time you're going to get cheated, but uh, it, we hear it way too often. The, the and for the average consumer, where they've got a claim against their their homeowner's policy, this might be the one time they've ever done that they're they're a first timer and you're going up against a billion dollar insurance company that has armies of accountants attorneys claims managers engineers adjusters lobbyists billions of dollars to throw around What are your odds? The analogy I always love to use is, you know, uh, we're talking about Georgia, your first day of Little League practice, and you're at eight years old, and the coach says, hey, kids, this weekend, we're going to go play the Atlanta Braves. Good luck. So certainly, certainly having a professional on your side is advantageous. Matt, what's it like to play against
0: the Braves?
1: I think I would use my, my inherent cuteness against the Braves. I would, I would go out there and just start red-faced pooping into my diaper <laughs> just, just to see what they would do and then, and then steal a face. That's this
2: conversation's think. taken a dark turn. Seriously. <laughs>
0: that was a serious question.
2: Because you tell you me. Against the Braves?
0: Yeah, you tell me all the time that, uh, and, and, I, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm with you. With not having mediation, with not having appraisal, with not having attorney fees and costs, I know, and I, again, I agree with you. You guys over in Georgia, uh, you've got some sharper blades, just because you've had to have them sharpened in order to 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 fight these insurance companies without any of these dispute methods.
2: I mean, keep in mind that Matt is a professional. Matt does this all day, every day, and has a lot of experience that, you know, just not just personally, that he shares with other people in the industry. I'm kidding. And, but imagine a consumer who has zero experience. Exactly. So if you struggle as a professional, imagine somebody who's just, you know, I mean, they're, they're a plumber for a living, or they could be an architect. What are the odds that they're going to be able to really successfully advocate for themselves going against an insurance industry that is a well-honed machine in making sure that if there's a dollar on the table, it winds up in their pocket, not in yours? I think you made
1: Matt blush. I'm going to answer that question he asked earlier. I think that in states where there isn't much leverage, logic and reason becomes more important than emotion. In states that have a lot of leverage, you can use the emotional aspect to your advantage. Look at the insured, look how how hurt they are by your actions. In, In a state where an attorney's fees are good paid, they can use that kind of information to their advantage pretty easily. In a state with less leverage, I have to be able to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is coverage, that the carrier knows that there's coverage and is still saying no. And so you do get very, very good at uh, getting into the nuances and the minutiae of policy language. And if, if you don't know policy in a state without without leverage, you're going to fail. So. It, You do get sharper, but you get sharper on the very technical side of things. Um, And and less about the overall picture, you can really get down narrow into something. So I've always been good at that part of it. I think that's why I'm successful in Georgia. My team, the people that I've hired have have always been good at those portions of it. Some of them can also do the emotional side a little bit better than I can. This is why we like to teach. You know, we've got that listen to this bull channel in order to teach public adjusters, contractors, policyholders, what kind of bull the insurance carrier is trying to feed us. I mean, the shit they feed us is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. They're playing on our thoughts, our emotions and our assumptions. And they know that you're not actually going to go into the policy to verify half of it. Once you do, and you actually go into verify, you'll find out that they're lying in a lot of cases.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got the policy language is it right there. I mean, we had one. I, I thank thank you. I mean, you you helped me clarify one that I had recently of uh, of an animal biting through through a roof, and the ensuing damage being water damage, the roof damage being animal damage, which some uh, some policies may may not cover that. So if that's not covered, the ensuing damage is. And I'm like, but wait a minute, because I could argue that the other way. But we went back and forth, and because of your policy experience. Obviously, I've got a lot of policy experience, too, but not as in-depth as you because of the arguments that you have to fight and the facts that you have to come up with in order to just get a freaking penny.
1: Yeah, that's a completely different uh, strategy going going at the files in in different ways. You know that you're not going to have the threat be anything worthwhile. If if I say, well, if you don't do this, we'll sue, they'll just laugh. They probably have a chamber at their office somewhere where they all sit around and just chuckle constantly. Um, I do. It's it's right next door to this one. That's my chuckle chamber. It's uh, <laughs> called the bathroom. I'm by myself in there
0: often. <laughs> crying in the bathtub.
1: <laughs> I chuckle, I'm crying. You know... Uh, yeah, it's, it's different. The ensuing loss provision is, is a very interesting concept that's it's a little bit more in depth. But if, if there's an excluded loss, anything that occurs as a result of that loss that isn't itself excluded, if the ensuing loss provision is there, it still could be covered. We've gotten a lot of flat roofs approved for wear and tear um, and improper installation using the ensuing loss provision. Right. You for rebuilding of a lot of uh, rotten chimneys and things along those lines that end up in structural issues, uh, as long as there is also a hidden damage clause and other things. So the policy is very, very important. The language is very, very important. One of the issues that the states uh, around the country have is that the policies are getting stricter and longer and the language is getting very verbose. You know, the, the policies are supposed to be written in plain language. No policyholder can actually read these things anymore you know how they determine if it's written in plain language? There's a, there's a scoring method applied by the states that determine a score based on the length of the words used and the length of the sentences used. The more big words or complex sentences there are, the lower the score. Uh, how does that have anything to do with readability? I, I, <laughs> big words are, are hard, I guess, but if you can't comprehend what they mean when they say this, 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 and this with an and and where the commas are matters so much more in a contract than they do in a novel, it's completely different language. People don't know how to read a policy. And so and they use that against us. and they, And they, they put things in policies that lead to misrepresentation its right. it's almost purposeful in the way that they write these things because it leads to the misrepresentation of the policy language you in and i states, it is illegal to have a policy that leads to misrepresentation that invites misrepresentation in most states there's also a provision that when the policy is presented to the care to the insurance department for approval if the insurance department doesn't approve it within a certain amount of time or say no within a certain amount of time, that it's automatically applied. In the state of Georgia, that is, uh, it's called write and file. It's automatically applied after a certain amount of time. And then they have no ability to take it back. So if there's a bad policy that is approved because of lack of action by the Department of Insurance currently, they can't remove that policy from the market or any portion of it. And that's all because of a sentence in the regulations that if you change two words, would give them the authority to do so. Wow. It's special. You know, uh, this is why we need the seat at the table. Without that seat at the table, I can't point out that issue and actually have them take me seriously. Add these two words in right here and suddenly you can get rid of the former smart plan.
0: You know, we we read policies all the time, and I tell clients, I said, look, I said, you're expecting to understand this thing when I've been doing this for over 13 years, and I still have to review almost every single policy that comes across my desk. It's yeah. all that that minute finite language that's going in there. That's just it's it's all it's all it's unreadable.
1: It it makes it very difficult for a policyholder to know if they have coverage or not. Um, which if you're not a policy professional, an attorney, a a public adjuster that knows how to read these things, you you could easily file frivolous or non-covered losses on behalf of the group without knowing, thinking that you have coverage because it meets the model of the way things were 10, 15 years ago on, on this standard HO3 policy that everybody had. It doesn't meet that same model anymore. There's too many caveats in each one. The disparity between one policy to the next was always huge on commercial losses, but now it's huge on residential losses as well. The plight to the policy board is way worse than it was 10 years ago. And, and the, the laws aren't going in their favor right now. They're going against them. It's, it's huge that the APA exists. I, I applaud what Doug is doing. We definitely need to point out all the ways that the carriers were acting inappropriately against policyholders. So, if you really take a step back and you look at what they're doing, there's so many different things that are happening, so many moving And if you really take a step back, you can see how this part moving into place leads to some very vague thing down the road that could be horrible. And you might just say, well, if the next step will be this, and then you see them do that next step. And you're like, I know your plan. And there's nothing I can do about it, because we messed up 10 years ago, putting this plan in motion for you. Big big problems.
0: So. I like how we got into that, because besides the way that they do their little policy language, it's all sort of a way of just trying to confuse people, make people not understand what's going on, so that they have sort of their their right to improperly uh, pay claims, deny claims. Doug, I love your story about how the APA came about. Uh, I believe it was Hurricane Sandy, correct? Was that Sandy?
2: That is correct.
0: Could you tell us that story? Because I already know that story, but I love it. I want to hear it again.
2: Well, a whole bunch of us who formed the APA uh, met during Hurricane Sandy or became aware of each other during Hurricane Sandy. Uh, My personal story, I was just a homeowner. I was a financial advisor, living fat, dumb, and happy on the water. Everything was great. Sandy came in. I got my clock cleaned by three, four feet of water. And uh, not a big deal because I'm a financial guy. I had bought the maximum legal amount of flood insurance that I could buy because I believe in insurance. I still do to this day. It is a very important tool uh, for the average person to handle a loss that they otherwise would, would wipe them out. Um, but when my insurance company came out and adjusted and said they were going to pay me 37 cents on the dollar for my destroyed house, uh, we saw that there was a problem. And when I started hearing the same stories from my neighbors, from my family, from people in other states that had in- been impacted, we started to realize it wasn't just a misunderstanding that there was something going on here. There was a problem. Uh, And one of the founding members of the APA was able to engage uh, the uh, New York Attorney General, Eric Schneiderman, and have him raid an engineering firm uh, and walk out with their files. And they went back a week later and walked out one of their their managers in handcuffs for changing reports. Uh, And what we saw was there was a vast conspiracy uh, to underpay people. Uh, Part of it was because of uh, issues with the law. Part of it was because of uh, profit motives. And basically what they were doing is they were changing engineer reports that said that Uh, this house was damaged by the storm. In some cases, they would change it to just add the word not. This house was not damaged by the storm. Or they would use a a concept, a clause within the insurance policies that was called earth movement. Uh, If there was shifting of the supporting soils, there was pre-existing condition. Uh, They actually hired a firm, an engineering firm, uh, who did that to me and they said this was all existing there, these giant cracks in your foundation, this big hole underneath where the water rushed into your crawl space was pre-existing. except I had just bought my house. I had inspection reports and pictures showing none of that existed. Well, Um, some
0: of it was the engineers, but some of it, no, some of it was the engineers writing basically falsified reports, but it was also the insurance company actually physically changing some of these reports, correct?
2: It was the engineering firms and further up the line. So, yes, we did have some engineers who, you know, listen, there's insurer bias. They have bias toward the people writing the check, Uh, but there were some engineers who wrote perfectly good reports. We have the reports to compare side by side and it would go back to their firm and they would do a process called peer review, which is legitimate. Other engineers who never visited the property would read the report, would look at the pictures and the supporting information and recommend changes. Uh, But that original engineer has to sign off on the changes they make. Uh, In some cases that wasn't happening or they were even forging that signature uh, or went to the insurance company. There's allegations that they were changing it there. So we caught them in massive fraud. Uh, We were able to get 144,000 claims reopened uh, north of $350 million of extra money paid out to people who had been cheated. Uh, And what we had decided was, you know, we just said, listen, there's a whole bunch of us fighting this in silos. We should work together because the carriers are certainly working together uh, because we see this happening all over the country. You know, you think it's... You know, you think it's like TV where the newspaper, you know, Scoop McGettigan writes a story and then it changes everything and the politicians change a law and it never happens again. Bullshit. Uh, we see this happening all over America. They got caught over here. Well, they get caught elsewhere too, because there is very little incentive for them. Because again, before the APA, nobody was following up on this. There's very little incentive for them to not cheat because there are no Consequences. Uh, so, what we say with insurance fraud, you know, it should not be a civil suit. You you actually need to have criminal charges as a deterrent to more people's lives being ruined. So that was when we got together. We formed the APA uh, and our our professional members who fund the mission. We don't take money from the government. We don't take money from insurance companies. The people who fund our mission are people like yourselves. Each of you, Matt and Vince are members of the APA who pay dues to protect your consumers against getting defrauded. Yep, got that pretty little hat there. So uh, listen, we, we, the people who are making a living in this industry are the ones who say, listen, here's how I'm going to give back. My consumers, the people who put food on my table are getting taken advantage of by one of the most powerful industries in the country. I'm going to stand with other members of my professional community and defend them. I'm going to contribute some of my time, some of my energy, some of my money, uh, and do more than just focus on myself. I'm going to do something for the American policyholder, uh, because this is what's right. And that's what we do in America, right? We stand up against injustice. We stand up against large government and corporate entities who are abusing people at the most vulnerable moments of their lives and taking advantage of them. And it is only the people in this industry that have the ability to do that because you're in the trenches every day and you see it. And now you're an APA member. You pipeline that information directly to the APA, and we have a means to do something about it.
0: It's everything we stand for, I think. Uh, right, Matt? I mean, pretty much it's everything that you just said. It just echoes everything that I talk about all the time when I speak to policyholders, other public adjusters or just, you know, just peers. I mean, it's it's the reason why I do what I do. It's I have conversations with public adjusters all the time. Where they don't want to sign claims because maybe it's not worth it to them, or or there's a there's a provision in the policy where you know they're not gonna they're gonna there's a, an extreme limit of money, so you know there's not much money in it for them. And I try to tell them at the same time, even whether there's a limit, whether there's a provision or whatever it is, I think as public adjusters, we should always just be fighting for the people and doing whatever we can to support them. And 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 because like you know like we keep talking about, we're going up against big bad insurance companies, and it's 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 tough. The other thing that you mentioned that I thought was actually. I'm I'm very impressed by it was that I actually got complimented on my hat before Matt did. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we we give we give credit where credit is due. All of, all of the hats and any of the logo you see is all the work of a very hard-working woman by the name of Heather Schapter, who is the uh, APA membership director, as well as everything else. We're a nonprofit. We don't like to spend money on staff. So all of us wear 25 different hats. We all do a little bit of everything. Heather has created all of that gear, this shirt. I mean, the Fraud Fighter shirts that everybody loves. Uh, she's a very hard-working woman. She's done a lot for us and her she her vision is, is incredible.
0: She is a rock star.
2: You would be lost without her.
0: So, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, it is awesome. Um, what else is going on? Uh, so where 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 are you taking this this Matt? Like what's what's next here as as president of Gapia? And uh, what do you guys have planned? Any is there anything, or are you just like just sort of now just okay? This just happened. Let me just let me just settle down here. Or are there actual things in the future that you guys are going to be to be going after, fighting for, trying to to help the industry, especially in the Georgia area?
1: Well, right now we have a little bit of a breather. Uh, the The bill has passed the House. Um, it's about to go to the Senate, but all the bills that originated from the House have to be uh, finalized, and all the bills that originated in the Senate have to be finalized, and then they go to the other side. It's called crossover. After crossover, then the, the bill will be a Senate bill and we'll be active uh, involved in that again. Um, making sure that the changes that we were able to make are there uh, and and if they aren't or if anything else changes will be activated at that point but uh, one of the things that we are working on in in this downtime is is working on those regulations figure out what can be edited legally by the department of insurance that provides them with the additional leverage they need uh, to benefit policyholders by by covering up all the problems that we have in Georgia. We really need the dispute resolution side of things fixed here. So we're trying to find ways in the regulations to fix those um, because during this legislative session, there's no way for a bill to be presented outside of this one anymore uh, that will end up getting passed. So unless we got some additional language added into this, which seems unlikely because of the section that it's being applied to. There's nothing that would fit that well in that code section, Uh, but there are ways that the regulations can be adapted based on the promulgation authority that the department already has. We just wanna find those different things for them so that they have the authority to do something. Because my impression of this particular department is they, because they don't come from the insurance world I feel like they're a bit skeptical of the insurance uh, carriers as well. Okay. And that they have policyholders in my <clears throat> impression. So I'm trying my best to help them out. Now, the legislation if it's bad legislation, it doesn't matter. It it would have to go because even if this department would treat that legislation well and change the regulations to fit for the policyholders now, the Nazi commissioner 10 years from now, with a different administration, can always change the regulations again pretty quickly. So the legislation matters a lot more than the regulations. Uh, So we really have to keep an eye on it. Uh, We we want to maintain our role and position. We really started developing this before COVID happened, and COVID kind of put a pause on things that we were doing we're really ramping up to be back in action on a lot of that. So uh, there's a lot of meetings going on at GAPIA right now, a lot of planning, a lot of 10 year plans being set. Uh, We need members. If there's public adjusters in Georgia that aren't members of GAPIA, or if you are a public adjuster outside of Georgia that does business in Georgia, non-resident, you can become a member of GAPIA. Gapia GAPIA.org is where you want to go for that.
0: And you guys are having a conference or something happening, I believe, Georgia GAPIA conference? We have two conferences a year
1: for for public adjusters in Georgia. You don't have to be a member to attend the conference. Um, but if you are already a member, the, the conference is, uh, either free or super cheap, depending on the venue, um, and you get your continued education credits while there. Uh, but I've learned more from those GAPIA conferences over the years than just about any other source on how to be a good PA, um. I, I speak at these pretty often myself. I've, I've had a few of them as well. Uh, videos over the last few conferences where we did it by Zoom, but we're going to be in person again. Or at least we're hoping things don't shut back down in Georgia. We're going to be in person. And the next one is in May. I don't know the dates off the top of my head.
0: Wait, uh, I've got them. Do you do? What is it? I believe it? so. It is, uh, is it May 18th? Sure. Is that the one? It's May 18th, 8.30 to 5 p.m.? It's Agapia in-person spring conference 2021.
1: That's perfect. So it'll, it'll be in-person and via Zoom. All of the equipment that I got pointed at me right now for this Zoom call, I'm gonna have pointed at the speakers at the thing so that if you don't want to attend in-person, there will be Zoom access to the conference as well. Uh, you can register for that on agapia.org and look into membership. You can even donate to the cause right now and help us uh, pay for all the lobbyist action that we've got going on.
0: I just I, d- I just wanted to bring up for people that, again, I'm just trying to make them understand the crap that Matt has to deal with in Georgia. In Florida, we've got 90 days. It's a 90-day statute that insurance company has to make a coverage decision within 90 days. Matt, what's the limit in Georgia?
1: None. <laughs> Reasonable. Reasonable. I've got claims that they're still investigating, and we're at 10 months from the data loss right now. That's There's- ridiculous.
2: Right. So if, if you see, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, the insurance industry, this bill is a little bit different, but the insurance industry has a program that they follow. They generally have a uh, model legislation that's written by a bill mill. Uh, they'll ram it into one state when they feel like there is a friendly legislature involved, an insurance-friendly legislature. Uh, and then they then use that to capitalize and they, their lobbyists trot that bill all over the country. Uh, they are very astute at what they do. Their lobbyists are very well-funded and very good at doing it. Uh, they are very good at what you'll see is the legislation comes up, a bunch of people step out to speak like we all did in Georgia. We spoke to, to the uh, insurance committee uh, and then it goes quiet for a little while. You think it's quiet, but they are working behind the scenes and we have these things. Uh, we call them backroom deals. We'll call them midnight massacres. I have one legislation I was told uh, the night before. There's a hearing tomorrow morning. It's always last minute. Same thing with the, the Georgia bill. We were, It was introduced on a Wednesday. The hearing was like, I think it was a Tuesday morning, Matt, like at eight o'clock in the morning. There is very little time for the opposition, uh, which in this case was us, to organize and get ready. I had one bill as a legislature, it was a fair insurance act that gave uh, fee shifting and treble damages for an insurance company who unreasonably delayed or denied a claim. Uh, We were told late at night, the night before there's going to be hearing at 8 a.m. the next morning. We all shut up to testify. And by the time that happened, they had already gutted the bill. Uh, they had already changed it so that it only applied to auto insurance and not uh, homeowners insurance. And in the state we were dealing with, homeowners insurance, the amount of claims was like 15 times the amount of auto insurance. So they basically just eliminated a, a majority of the people that the bill could have helped. And that was all done by insurance company. Nobody knew. Nobody heard. You didn't see them. They're like stealth ninjas. They get in there, they do their damage, they get out. And we all found out when we showed up to testify. The next morning that this bill had already been gutted so it's very important that the gap years of the world and the triple a's of the world the trial attorneys the contractors associations are astute political operatives because you can bet the insurance industry is very good at what they do and if you don't bring your game up to that level you've already lost
0: What state
2: was that, Doug? That was New Jersey. That was my home state, believe it or not.
0: So couple things uh, that I wanted to talk about also was just the fact that this is why I wanted to do this. Um, I think there's way too many public adjusters that just accept the status quo. This is how it is. Everything will be fine. Our, int- our, our industry will never be affected. If there are not people like Matt and like Doug who are coming together to try to fight for all of us, all of us as public adjusters, we're going to be left without a job. Because if we let these, you know, big multi-billion dollar insurance companies run amok, they're going to they're going to write the policy in a way, they're going to pass laws in a way that are going to completely shut us out. And any good public adjuster knows that we are extremely important. I had a referral in Alabama. Public adjusters are illegal in Alabama. <laughs>
2: And, and what you can see is, as, as much as it's said that you guys wouldn't have a job and you couldn't afford as good a beer as you're drinking right now, hold your beer up, guys. Show us what you got. This is not that. It's a stone. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm drinking coffee, for the record. Okay.
0: Sure you are. So, sure.
2: as difficult as it would be that you guys would not have a job… Imagine a world where consumers are left without professional representation and forced to go one-on-one against the insurance company's A-team and what would happen in that world. Uh, We cannot emphasize enough how important it is to have – advocates on behalf of consumers who stand up for them. Uh, So, you know, it's certainly bigger than any one person's job than any one industry. It's more about, you know, leaving the American insurance consumer to twist in the wind without professional advocacy. And that's tragic.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, it's just it's so important. We got to have we got to stand up to these people as often as possible. You know, a lot of people don't know about the APA either. Doug, a lot of people don't. They don't know that there's, there's associations, that there's organizations that their, their main purpose is to call out insurance company bullshit.
2: Uh, so for those people, uh, allow me to say that there's an organization called the APA, and I mean, <laughs> call out insurance company bullshit. Uh, and listen, we we know that the way to do this, no matter what organization you belong to, the way to do this is by working together. Uh, I always say gladiators are badass fighters, but the Roman army always wins. The team that follows a common tactic, works together, watches each other's backs, stands up for common principles and good values is the team that will always win. So certainly joining together with people that have the same values and the same mission as you are certainly things that you support, like defending your consumers is critical. You will never I don't care how much you want to post on social media about how outraged you are. It accomplishes nothing. Uh, It is actually getting into the trenches and joining together with others of of like values that you actually get things accomplished here in this country. Doug has the best analogies like ever.
1: I, I don't know if he just dug at us or not about getting on social media just complain
2: that's and not just sense. you that's that's everybody myself included it's a you know <laughs> there's there's it's a great way to share information it's a great way to share opinions but sometimes we get up there and we type and we think we've accomplished something and and you haven't you just vent it and yeah you feel good and other people give you lots of likes but it's not actually Creating change. We we are here to create change. The American consumer is under assault by corporate interests that only care about profit. That people have no problem committing a crime and ruining a family's life for generations to come. And those people need to have consequences for that. And that only happens when you get away from your computer and you get out into the trenches and you fight that battle.
0: In all in all seriousness, everybody that's listening, you guys have to join the APA. I mean it it's only it's it's the stronger the APA is, the stronger our entire our entire business is, our entire, you know, everything that we're doing. You know, I think it's it's very important that, that everyone joins the APA, join the fight and to make sure that we're doing what we can to to fight for the consumer.
2: And I, I would be in trouble from uh, our membership director, the wonderful Heather Schapter, if I did not say you can do that by going to APAssociation.org, apassociation.org, clicking on membership and going to professional member and joining up. Uh, it's $84 a month. And listen, if that financially you're not in a position to do that hurts you, keep your money. It's okay. We understand. But certainly for most people, I mean, they, they spend that much on gas and a couple of days. So uh, it's 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 something that you contribute to stand up for your consumers. It's a way that we pool resources, a way that we fund our mission to defend people. And certainly we want as many people on the team as possible. If you go to any of the trade shows, you can go to the APA table, they'll sign you up right away. But certainly, uh, apassociation.org, click on membership, you can join right away. And uh, we would love to have you on the team. And you get this nice hat. You got that snappy looking hat.
0: And a great pin. Got a
2: hat? And a polo shirt. We got I hats. I don't know if you'd ever want to give up that Indiana Joan hat. Seriously. But show us your pin, Matt. You've got some APA gear on.
1: I got probably 15 of these pins. Every time I walk up to a booth at one of the conferences, I, I asked Heather for a pin. And I don't think she recognizes me yet. So she just keeps giving them out to me like I'm a brand new person. It's great.
2: You do not want to be at a conference or a professional event and have Morgan Walker or Heather Schapter catch you not wearing your APA pin uh, oh, because oh, they, they, yeah. they take no nonsense and you will get pinned.
0: I might you need another one, Doug. Through all this moving, I, I, I'm trying to remember where mine is. I might, I might need another one because if not, it's the last thing I want is to go to the next conference and get chewed up. <laughs> <laughs> what would
1: the have? With the wrist bracelets that they have,
0: Are we going to be seeing you, Doug, at uh, SVG?
2: Uh, we will be at Win the Storm. Uh, we'll have some surprises that we're bringing to Win the Storm for the whole community. Uh, the APA like. booth will be right in the middle. Uh, listen, Anthony Delmedico and uh, SVG are uh, huge founding members of the APA, big supporters of what we do because they know the values that we represent and, the, and it shares their values. So, uh, they, they give us the largest booth in the very center of the conference uh, and we do what we can uh, we're bringing at least one attorney general uh, to this conference uh, so uh, we'll have the attorney general of jeff landry uh, of louisiana uh, the apa is bringing to this conference there may be other surprises in the works but uh, we'll talk about that but yeah you will come to if you're an apa member that apa booth is your home come there meet the other members, interact with people, take some pictures with the, the the people that are there. But we want people to be able of like value to be able to interact with each other and, and be able to share with each other. Matt, you going?
0: Yeah,
1: I've got a, I got a really awesome booth that I've designed and built uh, with this bowl on it that's made of wood. And we all named it. There was a vote. So now it's the the uh non-recoverable uh no it's gonna be great that, you didn't hear that that wasn't cell phone,
0: me cell phone included. Whoops.
1: no it's gonna be good we're gonna we got that booth going on it's um it's pretty cool we're gonna be doing some of our live stream from there uh so actually i i need to talk to both of you guys after the thing to try to work out some kind of a schedule that can put you on the live stream yes yes it was part of the agreement that we had to get me on your show then. Oh, <laughs>
0: was it?
2: I wasn't yeah, aware was. of that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure it's, I said that to you.
2: It's All my right. it's Good. my
0: first it's my first time doing a booth and I'm I, I'm not I'm not prepared. I really need to start thinking about this. I don't know. Well, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I might need to like get some tips from both of you guys.
1: I'm probably not the person to go to. I I have a feeling my booth might be thrown outside um, if it isn't
0: deemed fireproof enough.
2: So Mm.
1: (laughs) we will
0: see. I might have to to bypass Doug on that advice and go straight to Heather though.
1: If you guys uh, end up doing the live stream with us during the event, if you'll come in and uh, get on my schedule, I will 3D print your logo onto a... Uh Cattle prod, and I will have you brand my bull's ass as part of the deal. So it'll be That's pretty awesome. cool—a big APA eagle right on the bull's ass,
2: right? I love that idea. Are we limited to doing that just to the bull's ass? Because I know a couple other places I'd like to ram that cattle prod.
1: <laughs> I, I will let you decide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it it does have a a, a healthy male organ so
2: i don't know yeah, that think it beyond mind. the bull itself uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway again conversation took a very dark turn it's
0: okay though that's okay i like it when it does that um all right guys i mean i'm okay if you're okay is uh I can't think of anything else i mean uh, thank you guys for coming on to be honest I mean it's it was awesome I think we got uh, a lot of stuff covered there um hopefully we get some more APA members and hopefully we uh join the fight with uh with and Georgia to make sure that uh none of that bull happens and it doesn't happen in my state okay I don't want that shit in my state keep that shit out of my state
1: You gotta keep keep watch of all that stuff so you've got one mm-hmm. there you should be a part of
0: but I'm a part of Fapia are to you to get a little bit yeah is it, is it FAPIA or FAPIA? I call it FAPIA. Doug, you be the decider. FAPIA or Fabia?
2: Yeah, I don't get involved in individual trade disputes. Uh, we're here for the consumer, so you guys call it whatever you want. That's public adjuster shit. We don't get involved in it. You guys decide amongst yourselves. Talk amongst yourselves and decide what's the best way to handle your trade. When you want to work together with other people, I, I encourage that right. strongly join some kind of organization get on a team that supports your values and fight fight fight
0: doug you're going to the vip party right at
2: john's house uh i'm not really sure i mean obviously i'm invited he's one of the founding members of the apa but uh we're not 100 percent sure what our schedule is going to be the uh conferences are a lot of work for us so
0: the wife is just like she all night she was searching for something to wear last night and i'm just like don't worry It'll be okay. We'll figure it out. All right, guys. Thanks for coming on.